Beloved, if you have your Bible there with you this morning, let's just turn to the book of Isaiah. Do something a little different today. We're going to read two verses, Isaiah 55, verse 6 and 7. Okay, Isaiah 55, 6 and 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call to him while he is near. Let the wicked one abandon his ways and let the sinful one his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he might have compassion on him. And to our God that he will freely forgive. Amen. Beloved, the Bible says that re repentance is a sorrow for sin and a hatred of it. It's also turning away from sin and leaving even wrong thoughts. It's not just a negative that we stop doing something, but it's a positive that we react differently. We all understand that the word means to turn 180% on them, they'll say, to turn around, to stop doing what you were doing and start doing something different. And here in this, let the wicked forsake his way, the unrighteous man his thoughts, let him return to the Lord. Here we are given the biblical requirement. And we see that, that re repentance or God's call for all men everywhere to repent isn't a New Testament thing. It's an Old Testament thing. It is something God has been saying to people for forever. It's not just to Christians or to spiritually minded people, but all people everywhere. God desires for them to stop their godlessness, godlessness, a life that's lived without Him, and to turn to believe in Him and to receive Him as their king, their priest, their prophet, as their Lord. Here in this, we are told that repentance isn't uh, repentance in itself doesn't deserve salvation. You feeling sorry for your sin isn't enough to get you saved. You regretting what you've done isn't enough to get you saved. It's salvation comes by God's mercy. He mercifully gives faith. To the repentant heart. Not because it's repentant. But because God has motivated it. Called it. But yet there's still the command and the demand. The call that goes out. And here in these two verses today. We see the command to all men everywhere. You are commanded to seek the Lord while he may be found. That is the first and foremost responsibility that you have as a human being is to seek the Lord while He may be found. It's not your education, important. It's not your employment, important. It's not to seek a, a, a husband or a wife, important. It's not to be a good father or mother, important. But all those things pale in comparison to the one duty, to the one calling that's laid upon your life. 
that you are to seek the Lord while he may be found and to call upon him while he is near. The idea here is there may come a time when you cannot call upon him, when you cannot find him, when he feels or seems afar off. The Bible talks about the influence of sin upon the conscience of a person. That it sears our conscience. The Bible uses the image of, of a scar tissue upon an open wound. You know that when you have a, a wound upon your body, a blister upon your hand, that while it's tender, it's painful. You push it and... There's an electric shock that goes through your system. But with time, if you constantly are continually doing the same action, whether it be work or the gym or whatever else, you're using that same area, the skin becomes less and less sensitive. It becomes less and less painful. You're able to do acts that, that once when you did it, there was an immediate reaction. Ah, oh, ah. But now, because of the constant practicing of that action, you can do it no problem. My mom has asbestos hands. You know what asbestos is? Fireproof material. My mom works so much in restaurants and, and uh, in kitchens that she can pick up red hot pans and just put them aside <laughs> because her hands are so used to picking up hot things. And she'll say, it's hot now, be careful. You go to eat my mum's house, she gives you a red hot plate. Like, you know, your dinner's on a red. She'll say, don't, this is a hot plate, don't touch it. And you go, but if you're touching it, mum, you go, <laughs> something not right with you, woman. So we understand the concept in an earthly means that by constantly doing something that causes us harm and hurt, it deadens the nerves within our skin. It prevents us from feeling the pain. And in the same way, a heart, a conscience, an act that deadens it, or that it's against our conscience, deadens our response. So the, once when, when we told a lie, we, we, we knew that the lie was wrong. And it pricked our conscience. We were worried someone would find out. We were worried that we would be held responsible. We would be worried, troubled within our hearts and within our minds. But then, you know, if you get away with that lie, and then you tell another lie to cover a lie, and then another lie, and all of a sudden you're a liar. You have no problem telling lies. You have no problem. It's second nature. You're an expert. You're a black belt in telling lies. Your conscience has been deadened. You no longer care. The Bible says that our conscience, that little voice, those little feelings of conflict within us are God-given. God wrote the law upon our hearts that we might understand the difference between right and wrong so that one day when we stand before God in judgment and God will say to us, but you knew that was wrong, you can't say, no, I didn't know. 
Because He wrote the law upon our hearts so that we would be able to distinguish right from wrong. Nobody has to tell you it's wrong to lie. Nobody has to tell you it's wrong to steal. Nobody has to tell you it's not right to hurt somebody. To kill somebody. To go and take somebody else's things. You know in your utmost innermost being. But if you continue in the way, your conscience becomes hard. And you're no longer able to distinguish the right from wrong. Or you just don't care, to be honest. That's the most truth. So the Bible here is saying to us, or the Spirit through the Bible is, that we as human beings are to seek the Lord while He can be found, while He is presenting Himself to us, while we can see Him, while we have that influence. While the truth is being shown to us before our eyes. Because there may come an instant, an opportunity, a time when your heart is no longer sensitive. When you no longer care. When God isn't pressing forward to make himself known to you. So all of us here and now, we are extremely fortunate, greatly blessed to have the, the Word of God opened up to us and shown to us. And it is God who has designated, designed that you might be here. Nothing happens by accident. We know this, don't we? Haven't we seen this in our own experience? That God in His mysterious ways makes everything come together. You and I are not here because of an accident. You're here because God put you here. Whether it's because your mom or dad or a friend or whatever, whatever. God drew you here. God instigated this. He made it happen. He is showing himself to you. It is an act of his love to you that you were able to grow up under the preaching of the word of God. And the command laid upon you is that you're to seek him. To look for him. Now, we live in a generation where people can't look for things. Don't we? It's, we, it's Mom! Mom! Have you seen my shoes? They're on the floor. But where on the floor? We live in a generation where, where we, we have to uh, get other people to do things for us. But we can't find things. It's, it's really an inability. And there's a reluctance within us to press forward within our generation. We, we, we're no longer the pioneers of the 1800s who moved to America or, or built things with their own hands for the most part. But that call upon us is still real for us today. We must seek Him while we can still find Him. Because there may come a time when the light disappears and our darkness takes over and we get lost in our disobedience. Indeed, the Bible says in Romans chapter 1 that God abandons people over to their sin. He calls them to repentance. He calls them to repentance. He calls them to repentance. But finally, he gives them what they want. He abandons them over to their sin. He abandons them over to their idol worship. He abandons them to their 
indulgences and they get what they want and what they want is normally bad for them. Think of a drug addict who just wants drugs. Oh, I want all the drugs in the world and he gets all the drugs in the world. What happens? He kills himself. Or leaves himself physically and mentally, emotionally damaged the rest of his life. The worst thing that can ever happen to some of us is if we get what we want. The idea here is, while it is still daytime, seek the Lord. While you still have the opportunity, seek the Lord. Because there may come a moment, a time, when God just steps back and allows you to take the consequences of your actions. Call to Him while He is near. The Bible says that we're to call to Him. One of the greatest revelations that I ever had as a human being, was the fact that God is closer to me than a heartbeat. That I don't have to go through a priest or a pastor. I don't have to go to a special place. In Ireland, we have these religious sites, you know, like wishing wells and, and places where Bridget appeared to people, angels appeared, people go there and they'll light their little candles and you see a statue of Mary with the Bible. And people think that they're holy sites. They're normally, you'll see the trees we have certain holy trees in Ireland. I know we're, we're pagans. Holy trees and the people will tie ribbons to the trees and, and bottles. And uh, the, it's a prayer site. You go there and you're near God. Beloved, those are pagan things. God is as close to you as your heartbeat. He, he's a thought away. You can turn to him and he's there. You don't have to, in, to offer up a sheep or a goat. You don't have to give half of your wealth or all of your wealth. You don't have to go to a guru or spend a hundred years training some sort of special exotic philosophy. The Bible says that God is near to you. He is right there. And that's a glorious thing, but a terrible thing because you've got no excuse. You've got no, well, I didn't feel him, doesn't matter. I don't feel Dawn, but Dawn's still there. Close my eyes, he's still there. God is close. He is near. And we are to call to him. It's a command. All of us, not just we as, as Christians, but all of humanity. The call is to all people everywhere. As long as you have a pulse, the call is to you and you are to Call to Him. Call to Him. It is the very heart of God. Now this is a command, but it's also the, the desire of God. God is the ultimate highest authority of the land, of the cosmos. He is king. He is commander. He is the dictator of, of the material and spiritual realms. But also, there is the Father's heart. He longs to know you. He longs to spend time with you. He desires to know you. And He has drawn close to you. You haven't drawn close to Him. He has made Himself to be found by you, available to you. But you're unwilling to come. But you're unwilling to come. 
and you're unwilling to call. I have too much other stuff in my life, Lord. I have this and I have that and this and I have that. And Lord, just, I know I would spend time with you, but you know, you can see my schedule for this week. You can say, well, I would look for you, but you need to show yourself to me. You need to make me, prove to me that you're worthy of it. Let me tell you, your sins separate you from the Lord. That's what causes the difference. The Bible says that God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. Beloved, we as human beings are creatures of darkness. Unless God works mercifully on our behalf, we could never stand in His presence. We could never be a part of His family. Here it goes on to the... Um, the wicked one abandoned his way. The wicked one abandoned his way. It's the idea of one who's outwardly sinful. One who does sinful things. Now, we always, don't we, because we're human beings, we, we like to go to the extremes. We're talking about Putin. Or, you know, the, the Hamas people who went and murdered those babies. Or the Israeli army who are bombing Gaza. We like to go to the Mount Everest to the extremes of our sins. Well, I'm not like that. I'm not a Jack the Ripper. I've never done anything terrible or murdered people or eaten them or anything like this. Uh, I'm not a wicked person. But the idea is one who knows what is right but yet refuses to do it. That's the biblical definition of wickedness. One who knows what is right but refuses to do it. They are full of iniquity. And you say, well, uh, uh, the greatest sin begins with a simple sin. Begins with a lie. Begins with a, a covetous look. It begins with the turning away, the deadening of, co of conscience. So we, we must understand that We all fall into that definition of being the wicked one. There, there, we can't say, well, I hope that person's listening. And we can't say, well, this would be a really good message for those Hamas people or whoever, whatever. Using the worst of the illustrations. All of us fall into The Bible says there is no one who is worthy. Not one of us is righteous. We've all been separated by our sin. We carry it within us. Adam's sin separates us from God. Our own sin compounds on that. But yet God draws near. Isn't that the wonderful part? That by God's grace, by His mercy, He is near. Though you are afar off from Him, He is near to you. Though you may love your sin, He still loves you. And the call to repent, the call to come back, the call, God's desire, find me. Call me. You know, I, 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 I have kids, you all know this, and I have one son who lives far away. And honestly, we talk more now than, than we did when he lived in my house. 
and he sends me cat videos and he does it deliberately on a Sunday morning when I'm preaching. And so he, he thinks it's hilariously funny that as I'm preaching, he'll send me cat videos and they'll playing on my phone. If I don't remember to turn the volume off on my phone, they, they, you'll all hear them pling, pling, pling. Because he loves me and I love him and he's far away. But there's a desire in me to hear from him. For him to call me. I love when he calls me throughout the week. We talk about jujitsu or wives and, uh, and houses and our inability to, to do things and the, the difficulty of finished language and all these other things. I love hearing from my son. And in the same way, in the same aspect, God loves to hear from us. He has a desire in his heart to hear from you, for you to call him. For him to come. So beloved, it says here, let the, let the wicked one abandon. God isn't there condemning. I think we have this terrible picture in our generation, if not in all of humanity. But we think God is just standing there like, you know, oh, scowling and is angry. I think sometimes some of Irish parents give the wrong impression. They... they that God is just angry with the sinner all day long. And yes, yes, he is. But is also merciful, caring, desiring to be with us. But the command again is that the wicked one leaves his way. You have to stop it. You have to stop with the idea of knowing what's right and not doing it. To believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. To give your heart, your mind, your soul, your everything over to Him. To bow the knee, as it were. And to allow Him to be the, the Lord of your life. To change your heart and to make you a new person. A better person. Not only that, but that you might be with Him in eternity forever after you die or He returns the idea here is, beloved, that there is a command given. A declaration has been made. You must leave your wicked way. And then it goes on even further than that. For one who is openly wicked. It says, and let the sinful one, his thoughts. It's very easy for us, isn't it? As human beings, to condemn others. To judge others. To criticize others. To put others down and somehow in some way to elevate ourselves. <laughs> if everyone was as good as me, the world would be grand, you know? But the Bible says that God doesn't look on the outside of a man, but rather on the inside. God sees who you are in the, the true and real sense. He sees all the secret sins. He sees all the criticisms. He sees all the rebellion within you, the mess of unlived out sin, the things that if you get away with, you would. So beloved, God knows the heart of a man. And the command is here that the sinful one has to even stop doing what they're doing in their hearts. And didn't Jesus say this? Anyone who looks upon a person with lust in their heart, has already committed adultery with that person. Anyone who has looked upon a person with hatred in their heart has already committed murder. Jesus 
goes beyond the outward, it goes to the inward and requires a higher level of responsibility than even the law of Moses. We are commanded as human beings, all of us, to leave, to abandon, to give up our sinful desires and our darkness to come on to the Lord. Because why? Because we understand and know that those things ultimately will harm us. Like the drug addict who gets too much drugs will die of an overdose. A person who commits crimes speeds the car. You know, a simple thing. Speeding your car. You drive your car too fast and the police catch you. You're going to get fined. You do it often enough, they'll take your license away. If you continue doing it with no license, they will put you in jail where you'll not be able to drive your car. There are consequences to our actions. And if so, on an earthly side, heavenly side, even more so. The command here is that we would give up our wicked ways, give up our wicked thoughts, our sinful things, and then let him return to the Lord. It's not enough just to stop doing stuff and try and be better. It's not enough just to try and reform your life. And Paul Washer talks about pulling, trying to lift yourself up by your own bootstraps. You know? Think about trying to lift yourself off the ground by your holding onto your laces. You can't do it. And neither can we save ourselves or change who we are in our innermost being. The Bible says, can an Ethiopian change the color of his skin or a leopard its spots? It is what it is. And therefore, we need God to transform us and change us. It's not enough just to stop doing stuff. You must turn to God. You must make an absolute 180s, 180 turn in your life. Seek God while He may be found. Why? Because He's close by. He's enabling you. He's calling you. And for everyone who comes, he, they are called. Jesus said, no one can come unto the Father unless they come by me. No one can come unless I first call them. Beloved, let us then return to the Lord. And why? Why? Is it just so that God can look at us crossly and say, Aha! The Bible says here, So that He may have compassion on Him. I love that word compassion. Empathy, kindness, goodness, undeserved richness and blessing. It's not a, God's not going to look at you tapping his foot, making you feel guilty, being cross with you. But it's rather that you might receive forgiveness, that you might receive the goodness of God that comes by the blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him might have eternal life. Beloved, God desires to have compassion on you. God isn't pushing the door closed in your face, you know. He's not looking away 
Oh my goodness, oh, hope they don't look at me so then I have to do something about it. God is there in your circumstance and in your situation right now. He sees the, the extent of your unbelief, your sin. The, he recognizes the dangers that your sin can lead you to. And yet he has chosen to be near you. He has chosen to be available to you. He is demonstrating his mercy and love to you by allowing, by calling you to come to him so that he might have compassion on you. And to our God, for he will freely forgive the idea again is that it's mercy. That word compassion is mercy. Undeserved goodness. You don't deserve the goodness of God, but he gives it to you anyway. As human beings, we, we, we like to earn stuff. We like to have stuff that's ours. I earned this. It's mine. I have a badge. I have a medal on my chest that says, Kyle is the bravest person in the room. Purple heart. Forrest Gump. You know, I get shot in the buttocks. We like to be rewarded by, for things that we have done. But when, in God, in Christ, we don't get a reward for things that we have done. We get rewarded for the things that Christ has done on our behalf. God in His compassion gives it to you freely. All you must do is believe. All you must do is look onto Christ and be saved. Beloved, do you feel the weight of your own sin, of your own unbelief? Do you recognize that that you need to look for him and to find him? That your way may not be his way? The Bible says, return to the Lord and he will have compassion on you. Kindness, goodness, mercy. He will rescue you and he will lavish his love upon you. There is no separation. There's no conditions. Well, I'll take you in this time, but it'll be the only last time. It'll, there's no second, second chance. It's not like that with the Lord. The door is open and wide. Come in. And that compassion, that love of God, which comes again through the vehicle of the Lord Jesus Christ, His sacrifice. We are rewarded. We share in the reward of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says He will freely forgive. Freely forgive. You don't have to buy it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to maintain it even. It's forgiven. And I love this with Christ. In God, it's gone. It's erased. You know, in the ancient world, they used to write on, on um, animal skins. Animal skins. Or papyrus, but I'm thinking the, the vellum or vellum, whatever it was called. And when you erased something in the old days, you had to take a knife and scrape the ink off. It wasn't like you could take, you know what whiteout is or tipex? And over it, or you couldn't take an eraser and erase, you know, like, couldn't scratch it out. You actually took a knife and you removed the top layer of tissue from this, the skin and you erased it. And the idea is when God forgive, forgave our sins, he erased it. 
It, it remains no more. There's no evidence of it. it. It's no longer in his mind. It's gone. Forgiven. Forever. He doesn't bring it up. Well, it's just like the last time, isn't it? This is just like the last time you sinned. Oh, how many times are you going to do this? That's not how the compassion of God works. When he forgives, it is forgotten. We human beings have a problem, don't we? People have long memories. Oh, I remember when you 30, 40 years ago did this and did this. And you're like, what? Tell you, we must remember that the Lord will have compassion. He will forgive your sins. He will forgive your, your godless life. Why? Because your godlessness is earning for you an eternal reward. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Eternal separation from God. The Bible says that those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ in the end time will be thrown into the lake of fire which was prepared for the devil and his angels. It wasn't even prepared for you and for me. For human beings. It was for spiritual beings. Beloved, the Bible says here that we are to seek the Lord while he can be found. I may encourage you to seek the Lord. Take advantage of these, this time when the word of God is opened up to you. Take this time. This could be your last. That's frightening truth. Think of that, those poor families in Israel who were asleep in their bed when the Hamas people broke in and murdered them in their beds. Hundreds of them on these kibbutz, these religious communities. Men, women, and children were massacred. They weren't, and it was the Shabbat that was their, their, their holy day. Their lives were taken from them. Think of the poor people who who die in car accidents every day. They didn't, wake, they didn't wake up in the morning thinking, well, this is my last day. I've got to make the most of it. You know that when the moment of your end comes, you're never prepared. Beloved, be prepared now. While it is still today, seek the Lord. Ask Him. Cry out to Him. Call upon him because he's close and he's near and he will have compassion. Whether you're a believer or not a believer, does not matter. For we believers need to hear the gospel as much as unbelievers do. Well, not as much, but you understand. We need to be reminded of the compassion of our God and that the calling of our salvation isn't just that we're Christians. No, we're Christians. We can do whatever we want. It is that we seek the Lord as we call upon Him, that we walk in His ways and keep His requirements, that we live in the, the compassion, we understand the fullness of His forgiveness. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank, thank You for Your Word. We ask, O oh Lord, that You would help us, that we wouldn't be among those who are neglectful, but Father, who take for granted the grace and the mercy that You have given us. We ask, O oh God, that you would do a work within our hearts and within our minds. For those who do not, do not know you, Lord, we pray that you would convict them of their sin. The Lord, you would challenge them, that you would give them the insight. As you did with us, so do with them. Lord, that they might know you and love you. 
That, Lord, they might feel the weight of their sin and see the, the dire consequence of a life that is lived without you. Father, for we who are believers, yet, Lord, are in disobedience, whose consciences have been seared, Lord, who have wandered in their own way or somewhat backslidden. We do pray for ourselves, Lord. We ask, O oh God, that you would motivate us, that, Lord, you would convict us, that, Lord, you would help us to repent, that, Lord, we would rest easily in Christ, for we know that you are near and will have compassion, and you will freely forgive us. Lord, we pray all these things for your glory and your glory alone. In Jesus' precious name, amen.